I've started doing more things that I just flat out enjoy. If you're doing something that lights you up, it kind of has its own way of kind of beaming its way out into the world. The gratitude that I feel and the amazement that I experience literally hundreds of times a day, including right now, um, is is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Here we are on The Big Leap. My name is Mike Koenigs. I'm here today with Gay Hendricks and our special guest, Stephen Sashin. One of the things I love so much about this episode is Stephen is a first principle thinker. He really, really thinks a lot about a lot of things, and he's got a wild, wild background. So the way I was thinking about naming this is imagine what do you get when you combine a comedian, sprinter, filmmaker, archer, and entrepreneur all in one? Well, you get a Steven Sashin. That's what. Gay. Yes. Well, I admire Steven from many different angles, but one thing is I always admire his willingness to take a clear-eyed look on a search for the truth to find the bottom line thing that's important about any situation. And he does this over and over again, and you'll see how he does it in this episode. And it's something that I think we all can learn from. Stephen, well, what's your takeaway? I was going to say, I hope my thing isn't about saying nice things about me because um, that would be ridiculous. But um, I appreciate each of you. Uh, Mike, I've known you and of you and watched you for years as you've built your career around internet marketing and, and technology and really helping people find ways of making a living, making a life. You know, I it was very instrumental in some things I was doing before I started Zero Shoes and Gay. I can't think of anyone who's a better example of someone whose guiding principle for what they want to do to make a living is how much fun can I have? And that was something where we definitely uh, merged minds. And it's been wonderful seeing the places that you've gone. And I have a, just a vivid memory of when uh, we were in workshops together and we we're just like doing things to make each other laugh. And those memories are quite fun, especially when someone said, how do you guys do that? And we had to break down how you come up with a joke. And of course, the breakdown fell apart because part of it was just, I just wait till something funny shows up in my head. Then away we go. So uh, it's just been a pleasure to watch how you've evolved. Well, here's what's great. Thank you. Yeah, I was just going to say, this is what the show's like. You're going to enjoy this episode. Gabe, what else were you going to add to that? I had so much fun. I am looking forward to, uh, I'm going to be out in your part of the world, Stephen, in the next few months sometime. I think I just signed up to do a keynote at a Conscious Entrepreneur Conference. I think it's in May or June. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because I'm hoping you'll be there at the same time and we can uh, sit down and have a brew together. That would be delightful. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Big Leap Podcast. I'm Gay Hendricks, and we have some very exciting uh, action for you today. I've invited one of my very favorite people in the world and somebody that I've been admiring and cheering on for the last probably quarter century or so. And I'm about to hear something from him that uh, even I don't know what he's about to say. But uh, Mike, uh, how are you doing today? Great. Um, just got back from a fun trip to Hollywood. Um, a good friend of ours was having a birthday party and you know, we had a crazy sunset Hollywood um trip that was it ended so well and we met a whole bunch of interesting characters like you always meet in hollywood so i'm super excited to be here with a stable grounded man like steven 
<laughs> I think. Yeah. Well, without uh, further ado, let's. Yeah, uh, we're about to prove that wrong really fast. <laughs> so, welcome to our roundtable, Stephen Session. Steve, thank you. Thank welcome. you. Thank you. First of all, I'm going to make you feel a little bit older. We've known each other for um, about 33, 34 years. Whoa. We've known okay. each other so long that when we first met, my hair was the length that yours is right now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, uh, that's amazing. That means we go back to somewhere around the time when Conscious Loving came out and we were on Oprah for the first yeah. time. Is that yeah, yeah. Right around then. Yep. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Well, I've uh, known you through several different incarnations, and we can get into all that. But as you probably figured out, our show is about big leaps in your life. And so I want to just kind of, before we kind of get to the pinnacle of what you're up to now, which is kind of <laughs> mind boggling to me, <laughs> I want you to tell us some of the big leaps that you made along the way uh, in the early days. You know, where did you come from and what did you do before you're doing now? So take us through uh, some of those that I know about and maybe some that I don't. Holy smokes. Um, uh, you know, this is like when my wife and I would go to, to parties and somebody would say, ask me, what do you do? I would turn to Lena and say, why don't you feel this? And I would leave because <laughs> there's just too many things. And that's in no small part because I'm old enough that they hadn't invented Ritalin when I would have gotten it. So um, I have never had a job. I've never had a resume or I've never interviewed for a job. I want to interview for a job at some point just to see what it's like. And then, of course, since I don't need the job, have a lot of fun by giving all the wrong answers, mm -hmm. which I think would be yeah. very entertaining. But um, EGADS. So I grew up outside of D.C. Um, I went to I went in Bethesda, Maryland. If, if anyone wants to go visit my parents' house, knock yourself out. It's there. They're not. Um, and... Um, Oh boy. Uh, after college, I was a pre-med that whole time. And then my last semester of college, they opened a comedy club down the street in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I somehow became the house MC at that comedy club. And at one point, the guy who booked that club said to me, when you graduate college, I can give you 10 weeks on the road. And that 10 weeks turned into 10 years as a professional stand-up comic. Uh, during that time, I also was doing a bunch of acting and voiceover work and just having a good time. My, I just had a fun memory. My dad sent me an article from the New York Times about how actors make very little money. And there's a thing where if you make enough money, you get free insurance from the Screen Actors Guild. And I had to call him and go, how do you not know I'm one of those guys? He just never really understood. So it went well for me. Um, but I was also bored because I worked for an hour or two a night and hung out with my friends and did you know fun things in New York as one does. And then one of the guys that I met was going to Colum was applying to go to Columbia University Film School. And I liked that idea of writing, directing, producing, and being involved in film. And so I applied. And I think because I had the money, they let me in. But suffice it to say, went to Columbia University, Columbia University Film School, uh, got a master's in film, specializing in screenwriting, um, won some awards with some scripts, but was really frustrated with how difficult it was to type in this really ridiculously archaic format that screenplays need to look, need to be in. Uh, in part, it's sort of like, we called it the transom test. If you threw your script over the transom, people would look at it. If it didn't look right, they wouldn't read it. And the things you had to do to make it look right were really, really ridiculous. And my undergraduate research was uh, cognitive psychology. And, I'm, and I somehow figured out that there was a way to 
essentially extract from what your fingers would be doing if you were typing on a keyboard or on a typewriter and extract information that would allow the different script elements, character name, the character's dialogue, the action that you're seeing on the screen, the location, and do all that crazy formatting completely automatically. Now, I know nothing about computer programming. I can't write a line of code. Couldn't then, couldn't now. But I figured out a, a way of doing this where the different script elements knew how they related to each other and, and related to the page. And I mapped this out, accidentally found a programmer, like literally at a comedy club that I was working. I've got a laptop case because I would sit in the green room writing scripts for when I was in film school. And I bumped into a guy with a PC magazine T-shirt. And he said, what are you doing with a laptop? I said, what are you doing with a PC Magazine t-shirt? And he became my partner. We developed a product called Scriptware, which changed the entire screenwriting industry. Um, in the, oh gosh, 30-something years since I came up with that, no one has been able to replicate what we did um, with that product. And so that took the next 10 years of my life. I, I realized that I didn't need to be in New York and I was going to go into the full-time software biz. So I escaped Manhattan and moved to Boulder, Colorado thinking um, there would be like-minded people, not realizing I would come to not like their minds, and, um, and uh, ran a software company for 10 years. And then um, in the process of doing that, got into internet marketing in the very early days. So I started doing that in 1991, 1992. Um, met a bunch of people who, who Mike knows. I'll drop names for the fun of it. Um, mm -hmm. So me and Jonathan Mizell, Marlon Sanders, Declan Dunn, I mean, the, the OGs in that world. And, yeah. um, and then I just started doing a bunch of things in internet marketing, um, kind of bounced around for quite a while, playing with different ways of making a living and not having to have a job. And then um, cutting to almost the end of the story, 13 years ago, actually the biggest leap, frankly, is that I, in that process, ended up meeting the woman who became my wife. More about that if you want. Um, and then, in fact, wait, I'm going to do a, a, a thing that you're going to have to, we're going to have to remember. You called me one day and said, um, how'd you like to write a book with me? And that was sort of shorthand for how would you like to get paid a whole lot of money? Cause you were getting really big book advances. And I said, what's it about? And you said, it's about single people who don't want to be single anymore. Cause they don't want to listen to me. I've been married for however long you've been married at that point. And, um, you know, let's talk about that. And I said, um, send me a couple chapters. And this is in 19, uh, this is right before nine 11. You said, uh, I said, send me a couple chapters and you sent me a couple chapters and I called you back and I said, yeah, I can't do it. And you were like, uh, what? Knowing that you had just offered me a boatload of cash. And I said, um, yeah, I just don't believe anything that uh, is in here. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, uh, well, what do you think? And I wrote a couple chapters that weekend and sent it back to you. And you're like, holy crap. So we can talk more about that. But suffice to say, that was right around the time that Lena and I, uh, she had just moved in with me. In fact, just after ignoring me and thinking, treating me like the plague for a number of years prior to that. But that was frankly the biggest thing that happened to me. And then um, 13 years, a little over 13 years ago, Lena and I completely accidentally, and we can dive into all these if you want, started a footwear brand. We started a company called Zero Shoes, X-E-R-O Shoes. And for the last 13 years, we have built a brand of lightweight, barefoot-inspired, natural movement-friendly boot shoes and sandals that over a million people around the world use for everything from taking a walk to running ultramarathons to climbing Kilimanjaro to hanging out with their friends. And, uh, and here we are. That work? And, um that that's great. I appreciate that. And also, uh, we can put in the uh, notes the link to your site because it's a really interesting site to look at. The Zero Shoes 
site. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to cruise through it and uh, look at the different pictures and the different testimonials and things like that. And uh, I uh, also, in the spirit of transparency, own a number of zero shoes, uh, all of them in pairs. And uh, and I particularly use um, one of them. It's like the perfect dancing shoes. Mm. Katie and I go out dancing uh, a lot. In fact, our foundation sponsors the ecstatic dance uh, program here in, in my town. So we put our, our own ecstatic dance every Thursday night and for the whole community. Um, and you'll see me there in my, uh, I think they're called Hana. Is that yeah, one? Hana. Yeah, yeah, they're perfect dancing shoes, folks, if, if you need a, a great pair of uh, shoes to dance in. Um, okay, so uh, stand-up comedian, <laughs> software guy, yeah. scriptware guy. By the way, uh, I used that program. It's the only one that makes intuitive sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just natural. And I wrote many scripts on that. Um and it's much easier to use than uh, than the one that a lot of other people use. I'll just put it well, that way. Well, you know, it's interesting. We um, uh, w- The thing that happened with that product in the company is that competitor that you're not mentioning by name, and that's good. It's sort of Voldemort-ish. Um, they did something that I had never thought to do. I, you know, I've been an individual sport athlete my entire life, and I sort of work most of my life on the idea that the best thing wins. And um, it took me a while to realize that in business, that's not the way it works. If you threaten someone's business and livelihood, they don't just go, hey, congratulations, you won. The first thing they try to do is shut you down because that's easier than anything else. Mm -hmm. And these guys called the biggest retailer, in fact, the only real retailer that we both shared at that time and said, you know, how much money do we need to give you to not buy Sashin's program anymore? And they had an answer. And so that was sort of uh, that was one kind of mm, little glitch in the in the ointment there. And the next was that I was kind of bored, frankly, by that time. And the third was that there was a company or three guys who wanted to buy the company from me. And uh, to make a semi long story, semi short here, actually, here's the fun part. They were investigating and doing their vetting to see if what my company had. And one of the guys said, well, I wanted to check out your, your list. And so I called a whole bunch of people and your list is horrible. I said, well, how many people did you call? And he said something like 700. I said, when did you do this? And he gave me some period of time. And I said, well, two things. One, based on the math you just gave me, you were having to make a phone call every three and a half seconds. So that seems unlikely. And secondly, you were using, were using my office phone? And he goes, yeah. I said, that's a voice over IP phone. So I just looked at, all, at the call records. I don't see one outbound call from you during that entire week. And he starts screaming at me about, you know, who do you think you are? And I pulled a gay Hendricks line on him. I said, you know, self-righteous indignation is usually a sign of guilt. <laughs> and there's a long pause and he starts screaming some more and then he hangs up. And two days later, the other two partners called and said, yeah, we just found out he'd been embezzling us for embezzling from us for the last five years. Mm-hmm. So that deal wow. did not go through, but we're possibly relaunching that product because the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences said they wanted to give me a technical achievement Oscar if I did that. So fingers crossed, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Really good. Okay. Well now, um, what was the original inspiration for the shoe move? Because when I heard you were into shoes, I said, what? And because uh, I had never even had a thought that you would create something that 
visible in the real world. Hmm. An actual physical thing, An yeah. An actual I don't physical product. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, uh, you know, the through line from all these various things that I've done really is that I just like to investigate and find out what the sort of essential truth is at the as far down the bottom of the well I can go. And um, this, uh, ironically, this business has put everything I've ever done together into it's sort of a perfect storm of uh, in a positive sense. So what happened was 15 ish years ago, I was 45. I got back into sprinting after a 30 year break and I was getting injured pretty much constantly for about the next two years. And one day, a guy that I know who's a world champion runner, which in Boulder, Colorado, is saying my neighbor because they're everywhere. I mean, you can't throw a rock without hitting a guy with an Olympic medal. And he said, why don't you try running barefoot? See if you learn anything from doing that. Now, I'm not suggesting people run barefoot. That's all. We'll talk about that. But he says, you know, see what you learn. And it just so happened there was a guy doing a workshop on barefoot running that weekend. Mm -hmm. So I went out and um, did this workshop where we ran Oh, gosh, on grass and roads and trails and every surface you can imagine. Now, as a sprinter, I had never run more than a mile and never enjoyed one step of that. I like going very fast, very straight, short line. And but this particular run, I was so entranced by the feeling of what it was like to have my bare feet on the ground. And I was just experimenting. What happens if I move my feet faster, but don't run any faster? What happens if I move my feet slower, but don't run any faster or slower? What happens if I run faster and move my feet at it? You know, just like playing with that. What happens if I land on this part of my foot or that part of my foot? And it was just utterly fascinating. And we stopped the run. I could have kept going, but we just stopped as a group. And I turned to someone who had a GPS watch and I said, how, how far was that? And she goes, that was a little over 5K. It's like, Sorry, sorry, what? I mean, I had never run that far in my life and I loved every minute of it. But when I got in my car, I noticed I had a big blister on the ball of my left foot. 